I am unashamed. What about you? So uh, I'm back in the southern lair, uh, southern reporting here, trying to just make sure, you know, y'all hold on. I'm going to make do something's wrong and down here from the southern lair. So, Dad, you were um, you were gone the last two podcasts that we recorded. And because you have such, you know, large shoes to fill, we decided to, Jason and I decided to have a, a double women's perspective podcast. We have mom and Aunt Ann on a podcast, which was interesting. The Baldwin sisters that I call them. I would say and then we had Missy scary. and Harry. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. It, it was it, interesting. That's all right. We kind of went back, you know, some memory lane, yeah. kind of talked about, and Ann's never obviously been on the podcast, so I, talked I about a lot, a, lot, a lot about mom's family. I felt a lot older during that episode. Yeah, I right. felt like I was sitting on a porch <laughs> just talking about time gone by, you know. Yeah. So maybe for our older <laughs> listeners, it was. Yeah, it was a reminiscing. Yeah. Well, it's my job. Um, it's my job to look after uh your mother so that's one well her sister is older than she is so that's two but <laughs> we're, we're at the stage now where you begin to take in your kin folks to live with you the rest of your days on on the earth where we're looking after our our kin so that that's, yep. that's what that falls on the heading of so well, by the way, that's very biblical. You know, that's a yep. that's kind of how it's always been. The ancient idea of gen- multi generational taking care of each other. Of course, they still do it over in the Eastern culture, but in the West now, it's pretty much just you know somebody kind of loses their uh, sense of belonging and they just wind up someplace. You know, it's just kind of a sad thing, really. I for think most that's of our one culture. of the coolest things about being in Jesus is when you're called. You know, because God is pursuing us and circumstances come out where you hear or introduced to Jesus and you break that that cycle a lot of times in generations and then pass it on and pass it on. Those, those are powerful moments in my mind. See, uh, I'm in my mid-70s. Miss Kay's about two years behind me, but we're pretty well at the stage. Not so much me, but the her and Ann. We're at the, you know you know, running over furniture, you know, <laughs> tripping on furniture and coming off the back porch made the misstep. I mean, you know, we're, we're at the, we're at the watch them, watch them carefully stage. You know what I'm saying? Well, the, I think the number one exactly. problem, the health number one, I read this somewhere health issue for people over 70 is falls. That, that's it. They fall because yep. In your mind, you're like, hey, I'm still getting it. And you try to jump over whatever. It <laughs> helps if you are going into <laughs> going toward 80. It helps if you, uh, just to put it bluntly, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I recommend this and that and other. Hey, I'm just saying it helps if you're thin. If <laughs> your weight is thin, the older you get. There's not as much to carry. There's not enough the equilibrium point. So somebody said, "Well, man, you 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 you're losing weight. Well, you know, you're getting skinny." I'm like, 
I'm 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 at my playing weight, which is 169. <laughs> 63, 169. I say that's pretty light. I consider it I'm not as apt to stumble or fall if I if everything is pretty tight, tight pulled together here. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't lose my what, tail or my head, but it, uh, tomorrow. My but. first thought on that rant was that nobody's ever going <laughs> to confuse you just based on your outward appearance of being a doctor. I've never seen a doctor look like yeah, you. But they asked me for a lot of doctoral advice, and I have, who? you know, I, I Who's them, asking you for doctoral advice? I'm like, well, if it's me, I'd lance that. And they say, well, no, we don't want to lance it. I said, well, it just looks like to me you swell up there, you know. I, I've seen your medical practices throughout the it's years. It's rudimentary. That yeah. means you I look would, it up. But your, your medical practices lean toward a butcher that, than a surgeon. <laughs> Well, you, know, you got a point. Well, I've I've said it many times that Dad was born a hundred years too late. He would have been the frontier doctor, you know that that would have been his deal. I, I just keep things keep things simple. Try to stay off the pharmaceuticals. I, I just think you're better off in the long run. Yeah, probably so. Well, I was well, in. I agree. I went to Georgia for three days. It was it was one of those things where you're like, I'm doing what? What was I thinking when I agreed to that? Three days. Yeah. But I did it. There was because there were three events. I went to a school the first night, a Christian school, and it was an outside event, which is just as hot in Georgia as it is here. But yep. there were, I don't know how many people. It was well over a thousand gathered out there in a little meadow. And but it was hot. It was not as hot because they did it right before dark. And uh, that was the toughest one because, you know, when you're outside and there's chaos and there's kids running around, which the first thing I see when I go up there, there's a guy standing there had it kind of roped off in case there was any craze fans, you know, in Georgia. But I see a guy that looked familiar, and he, he kind of waved because he had come up there, and it was a guy I remember being a part of bringing to the Lord probably 20 years ago. But it made me realize, you know, you you have these Bible studies – Late at night somewhere, you bump into people, and you look up one day 20 years down the road, and here's this guy who's now has his kids enrolled at a Christian school three states away, and the guy who shared Jesus with him is fixed to get up and speak. And it was a, it was a nice uh, – it was just a nice encounter to, to get a report 20 years later. I felt good about that. So – so you, so he was from he was from West he was from here, and now he's now in he Georgia. Yeah, he lives. So I don't know. And we was talking about generations and different things because he has not his wife, and I saw his kids out because I saw where he was sitting. You know, when I got up there, and I actually invited him because I said, "Well, I'm." They got me preaching somewhere Sunday, and he was like, "Really?" I was like, "Oh yeah," and uh, so, but he I also saw him there, so which was cool. So I did the school thing. Which I didn't feel like was, because I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm just going with strong coffee and the Holy Spirit, no notes. I'm just introducing Jesus. <laughs> but my first two or three attempts to break the ice, Al, as they taught us in school, were just crickets. Because I pulled up <laughs> into this place and I looked around. I mean, the stadium looked like basically our our public high school stadium, who's one numerous state championships i mean it was quite the spread everything was neat they had the practice facilities the buildings were awesome 
And so I said, boy, I pulled in here, and I, I realized that either y'all have a really good football team or somebody around here has got a lot of money, which I thought was funny, but it was just nothing. Yeah. So I thought. <laughs> that fell flat. Fell flat. Uh, so then on the way over there, I said, what is this city famous for? The name of the city was, I think it was Locust Grove. Locust Grove. I said, what is this city famous for? And the two guys giving us the ride, they both kind of stopped and were thinking. And like, huh. Well, one of them said, we got a train station. I was like. Yeah, that's always unique. So I thought, well, that was funny because I thought, so I said that. I said, I asked what, what Locust Grove is famous for. I said, there was a long, awkward pause. I said, and the guy in the passenger Once upon a seat, time, you could travel through here and stay yeah, for a few He days. said, we have a train station, which I thought was funny. If that's the best thing you could come up with, nothing. Crickets. So at that point, I was feeling a little bit awkward. So I thought, you know what? Let's just get to Jesus. And it pretty much just went as powerful as I could, a 45-minute introduction to Jesus. Well, someone so. down in uh, South Texas, uh, the wife of Dusty Hill, he was the bass guitar picker with ZZ Top. Yeah, tell us how that went. Well, Cause you did uh, the somebody called and said uh, – uh, I think it was his wife said he requested that when he passed over to the other side uh, that I would, he requested that they get in touch with me and say a few words. And, and I told them, you go back to Genesis four, Jabal, he was the father of those who <laughs> live in tents. I thought it was Jubal. No, Jabal, that's his brother. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Jubal was his brother, but but one of them, Jabal, he, he was uh, he he was known for making living in tents and raising livestock. He had a they had a penchant like ranchers. You say that's uh, but this according, according to like the Bible, gypsies. To no, me. according to the Bible, that there are certain skill sets that you see, and people tend to be very good at what they're doing. Genesis four says. The, the DNA is put in them by God. Uh, the brother, his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all who play the stringed instrument and the flute. So, uh, <laughs> Dusty, being a, a, a connoisseur of, of picking guitar, I listened to him for years. Uh, I decided, I said, I think a good text, and I started Jace. Did you, did you bring up Jabal or what was his name again? I brought up I brought up them and uh, oh, okay. I just mentioned did it, it. Did everybody chuckle or no? It was it was quiet, okay. but uh, but I did bring up. I said, brothers, I said the reason I'm here is just to inform y'all. I said Peter said that Dusty has just departed from his tent, a temporary tent, our bodies. He's departed from that, biblically speaking, and his soul is with the Lord. Well, soul and spirit's in heaven, but his body is asleep. So I just quoted him, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. So you're in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Yeah. 
or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We're at a funeral here, but we're told, the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians, listen, in other words, we don't want you to get confused about what happens when you die, because Jesus has already said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So do you believe this, he said? So we believe the reason why we shouldn't grieve like the rest of me and be ignorant about physical death is because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now there's the gospel as the centerpiece when it comes to talking about physical death. You say, you better make sure that you believe that Jesus died and rose again or you will have something to be worried about. So, and so we believe, how could this be? That God will bring with Jesus, this is the judgment day, those who have fallen asleep in him. So they didn't die. You have the ones who went to hell and the ones who went or who have gone to heaven. And if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you're on the heaven side of it. So here comes God bringing with Jesus all those who have fallen asleep. Well, we know it. it's not their bodies. Their bodies are in the cemetery down here on earth or been ex exploded when a mortar hit them if they were in the military. You say, hmm, but there's still hope and no worries. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, if you haven't physically died yet when he shows up and are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Something happens, the resurrection is first. Resurrection of the dead when Jesus returns, bringing all those souls. God himself will come uh, uh, down from heaven, loud command, voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God. I was telling these people about this, and I was somewhat, uh, I was not doing this in a low-key manner. Oh, really? No. I, I raised my voice. Hey, Dad. Hang on a sec. Let's take a break. So we've been talking quite a bit lately about sort of the struggle uh, of life, even in the Christian life. And uh, I know because, you know, I have a lot of struggles and we all do. And sometimes we need a guide, someone to help us. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? But we sometimes need some someone with some uh, flesh and bone on them to be our guide. One of our sponsors uh, is a group called Faithful Counseling. And they've come up with a brilliant idea because, you know, I am very pro-counsel and have counseled a lot of people myself, so have both of you. But sometimes, you know, it's great to have a trained person that can guide you through a process. And these guys do it online. They have 3,000 therapists spread out across the country. They're, it's available worldwide. Uh, you text, chat, phone, video. You can start in under 24 hours once you start the process. So sometimes when you need a guide, you need one quickly, right? Uh, it's secure, convenient, professional, and it's also affordable. So if you're having some issues and you'd like to have a, a guide, a, a trained, professional, licensed counselor, you might want to check these guys out. They're a great sponsor. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. You're going to fill out a questionnaire. They're going to assess your needs and they're going to match you with a counselor that you'll love. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash unashamed. The dead in Christ will rise first. I pointed to the casket where the body, the tent of Dusty was and I pointed to it. 
when Jesus shows up, he's bringing Dusty back with all the rest of them, and they're going to be reunited with a resurrected body, and they will live forever. We who are still alive, you say, what about the ones who haven't died yet physically and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I just gave them that text, and yeah. uh, so I spoke. Willie was there right before me. Oh, he spoke? I thought Willie did a good job. Okay. So and they, they asked him to do so. Uh, I saw Gibbons. You know, we've met him before, but through Duck Dynasty, the yeah. – our theme song was, you know, Sharp Dressed Man. Did they play that song? They really didn't. They were all, they stuck to the. Uh, oh, the, so they weren't playing the ZZ the, They stayed music. with the church choir. When okay. I pass on, it'll be up to you two. I wouldn't mind it if you throw a little ZZ Top in there. Right, I'd rather have that than the church choir. I mean, I just, oh. it, it's a connection there. So, so I'll make a note. Make a note ZZ when I'm gone. Make a note. Put ZZ Top in there. I think Gibbons is a godly man, too. We've all had our struggles through through this life. So these people that wrote about some of our people contacted us and thinking that I don't know whether I can do this. I'm, I'm struggling with sin. And everyone has to understand when you come to Jesus and your past sins are removed, they are really removed. They're not counted against you. It's over. You are, are justified before God, even with all the sins that you had. Yeah. Some of these younger bucks in America now, they're thinking that it's going to be instantaneous relief and, uh, and you don't have to, to walk a godly life. We're the light of the world, the salt of the earth, because we're in the light of the world, Jesus. And we just need to understand that you're never going to get past your struggle with sin. The great news is your sins are forgiven, and there is the mediating work of Jesus that will keep you cleansed. Yeah. And you need to learn things like self-control and how to live your life and how to show people what the light of the world looks like. We are being like Jesus in a sin-filled world, and our struggles are there but they've been paid for so we don't need to be always singing the blues. That's kind of yeah. the three or four that wrote us, you know. What, what's I, I'm what, not what? worth it. My wife deserves more than me, and I'm struggling with the Internet pornography. They just have to learn. You just have to start taking things that are sinful and get past them, but it's a struggle, and it'll last you the rest of your life. What's crazy to me is that we did this show, and – Somebody had the idea, since we look like we look and are married to the women who we are, because you remember when these this production company comes down just here. just that proves there's a God. Well, right. They're looking. <laughs> I mean, this is part of my speech here. I'm like, people look at me and they look over my wife and they're like, what's going on here? And so that was part of the part of the flavor for that show. So somebody has the idea to get ZZ Top involved and that song, Sharp Dressed Man, because originally, you know, they had this idea that we were going to be driving around in Rolls Royces and doing all this with the wives. And, of course, when they came down here, we just acted like who we were. <laughs> and, and you remember, but you remember doing that commercial that we did? Oh, yeah. We were actually going to ride around in a Rolls Royce that they had gotten from somewhere. But the problem was it wouldn't crank. 
And so, remember? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, in this neck of the woods, Rolls Royces, they don't run too well. They sit up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they put them up on bricks. <laughs> yeah. So the, I'm saying, though, you had this song, and then when people hear that song, they think of our show, and then here years later, you're down there at, at one of the ZZ Top members at his funeral sharing what you shared. I just I think that's that's just crazy to me. I mean, and I think it's well, you godly. Know it's, a, it's a divine appointment because yeah. you're right. There's no way, more than likely, we would have ever met those guys had we not had that connection with the show. But because of the few times we spent with them, obviously there was a influence so much that somebody said, you know, I want those guys to come speak, you know, when I pass on. So dad, I had a couple of questions about one is, was there, were there a lot of people at the funeral? Was it small? Was it, this was, how far big was it? The, the people in the music business, uh, over a 50 year period, this, this, they, they back, 50 years ago. I've been listening to them for yeah. 50 years. They're my age. So in their 70s, I think Dusty was about 72 and uh yeah, his his wife was telling about how how he died and you know, it just just out of the blue. They didn't they didn't expect it. But uh the, all I said to Gibbons when I saw him, I remember him when when they came down here in the two tour buses and they requested that we have Squirrel for, they wanted squirrel for yep. dinner. Yeah. Well, I yeah, said, well, we got some, that. we got some rock and rollers. We're gonna have some squirrel here, but uh, so that's <laughs> the last time I, I saw them. A few few things they did with Duck Dynasty, you know, but but the bottom line was, in other words, it was just a. It was a, family and friends, is what you said. Family and friends, and it was just the crowd that surrounds the rock and roll yeah. part. And then it was yeah, they don't like their crew. Of course, you look like you fit right in that crowd. Well, I guess. yeah, I, well, yeah. I told Gibbons, I said, Gibbons, let's face it, because Gibbons is the is he and the drummer are the last ones standing. I just said, let's face it, dude, we're getting old. But but I gave them the living. I gave them a a in my mind good news that, that there is life beyond the grave. I just want yeah. them to know that so because they, if they called they me in, they knew what they were fixing to hear. So he had bound, I think he listened. How did they react? How did they react during? Did like people just, were they quiet or, cause you, you sound like you were pretty it, much into it. it. Was, I was just curious. It was how as quiet as a funeral is. Yep. Well, I've been to some funerals that wasn't quiet though. This you one know. was quiet. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm glad that, mm. that 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 we were invited down. Uh, it's, it was an opportunity to point people to Jesus, and yep. and, and to just be 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 generous toward them. Love yeah. them. Awesome. We love them. Yeah, I'm I love. Like, I love. I'm kind of like Jace. Oh yeah, I'm kind of like Jace. It's surreal because you know Jay, we all grew up. You know that was our music growing up. I mean, we love ZZ Top, and so who would have ever thought you had an opportunity? to be there in a moment for their family, you know, you like think that. About that's it, just, Al, they, pretty they, amazing. We, we, some of the, the legalistic types have said, well, you can't listen to rock and roll music and this and that and the other, but you add it all up together. I said, let me see now. Uh, uh, Jubal was the father of all those who played string instruments and the flute. Well, Al, the almighty says in Genesis four that he made people who were real good at, at stringed instruments and flutes 
which would include pretty well anything <laughs> musical instrument there is. So I'm just saying God made people who are very do uh, are very skilled in that particular uh, part of their life. So I, I'm looking at it like I don't look at it as a downer. You know, I know what uh -huh. lewdness is and cursing and carrying on and all that. They take it overboard, a lot of it. But the bottom line is, you say, Z the old ZZ Toppers, they played rock and roll music. You well, say, the bottom line is, we they came down, we befriended them, we were real. Yep. I think Jesus had that had a bad reputation because he was after everyone. And, I mean, remember Matthew 11, and I've... I think you did a good job. Yep. You know, I to to finish what I was doing on my three days up uh, my second night, the church there that had brought me in, they did a community like invitation. And so and it was packed. Which I was wondering during this coronavirus how many people were gonna show up, but it it was it was packed. So it was on a Saturday night. Which what was strange is I was at the hotel. Of course, I wear just whatever. I don't dress up. I mean, my wardrobe is limited. And so when I was getting in the elevator, there was a couple that got in, and they were like as fancy dressed as I've ever seen two people. And I just uncontrollably said, wow, y'all look nice. And, of course, then I realized when you say that, you're putting them in an awkward position because they're looking at me. They can't say, well, you too. Cause I, you, you know, I mean, they're, they didn't know who I was. And so they kind of got awkward. They looked Jace, at each you, other. It would have been, it would have been rude if they'd have said, and, and you don't look so great. Well, right. You, well, you look like a homeless person, but so then I realized that I thought, oh, I probably shouldn't say anything awkward, but the woman who was trying to break the tension said, well, someone might be going to a wedding tonight. And so then I was like, who's she talking about? And I was like, <laughs> oh, y'all are going to a wedding, you know? So we had a little laugh, which broke the tension. I said, well, someone may be going to speak tonight at a church. But then the woman's immediate response, she went, oh, that's nice. You know, it is Saturday. And I thought, what's she talking about? I thought she she thinks I'm making this up because <laughs> it was Saturday. Who goes to church on Saturday? But you know, looking at me, I got camouflage on. I thought they don't even believe that I could be associated with a church, and yep. then she caught me on it that it's Saturday, so I left. So I went to finish my story, and it was packed. I told, hang on, Jace, let's take a break. So one of our sponsors is uh, Helix Sleep, which we love. They do mattresses. And the good news is uh, they've gone beyond the bedroom and they started making sofas. They started a company called Allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, Allform. And they make premium, customizable sofas and chairs, and they ship them right to your house. Uh, they, Lisa and I went online. Uh, we She got to design everything from the color of it to the style of it, everything that she wanted. They have fast, free shipping. Most time it takes, you know, weeks or months to get furniture. It takes three to seven days. 
and it's right to your front door. And it takes a few minutes to assemble. And I, I'm telling you guys, Jason, I'm the worst assembler in the history of assemblers. And yet Lisa and I put this couch together in about 10 minutes, which tells you how easy it is because I'm not very good at that sort of, I always have leftover parts when I put stuff together. And so it works out really well. Uh, they're big, they're roomy. Uh, you get a hundred days to decide if you want to keep it. That's over three months or they'll pick it up for free, which you won't want to send it back. Trust me. So to get the perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash unashamed. That's allform.com slash unashamed. And then right now they're offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. So that's allform.com slash unashamed and get yourself a great couch. So I told them that story and they did laugh. And, and, uh, so I shared Jesus. And then I came back the next morning cause you were brought up this Jew ball. I want to turn this in. And Sunday morning we just met, Well, they didn't tell the church members I was preaching. Well, it was older members, you know, the Saturday night wasn't, that was just a community. So yep. it was whoever, but Sunday morning I got up there looking like I do. I thought these, some of these people are thinking, are you kidding me? This is the preacher. Which is my point. Uh, when in the, right in the middle of the section, when when Jesus said, "Blessed are those the poor in spirit, uh, the ones that that uh, are who mourn, the, the meek, uh, the the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the ones who have shows mercy, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the ones who are persecuted, and and blessed are you when people say false things about you and all that." Well, if you get down there, you're the salt, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And it goes on to say, listen, don't, 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 don't kid yourself. You've heard it said, don't murder. He said, I'm telling you, anybody who's angry with his brother will be subject to, to judgment. And it goes on all the way down to look, somebody comes to you, want to borrow something, uh, give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Well, that's part of that being like Jesus attitude all the way through. Get married and stay married. In other words, don't be swearing by this and by that. Well, you, you just step back and look at the big picture of all that. You say, he said, you've heard it said, you know, don't murder. He said, I'm telling you, if you're angry with your brother, you're already subject to judgment. Well, if you read all these verses and put them together, that explains why I don't care who it is. They invite me to go somewhere along with you, Jace. We point them to Jesus and we point them to these qualities that they need to acquire and learn as they go forth in their faith. So, you know, somebody said, well, what about after you mentioned give to someone who wants to borrow well, when I walked outside in the parking lot, fixed, I had the law, of course, I had my bodyguards there, whatever. Some guy walked up there and he said, one of them homeless guys, he said, hey, he said, you said, you know, if somebody wants to borrow something from me, you give it to him, right? I said, yeah. He said, I need $20. <laughs> and, and I said, you were listening to that lesson closely, weren't you? He said, yeah. I said, listen, if you drink this up, the judgment of God is going to be on your head. I said, I'm going to give you the $20. I reached in my pocket. I said, I'm going to do what Jesus said. So I gave him $20. I said, but if you drink that up, I said, it's on you, not me. I said, so don't drink this up. I said, use this as you use a good deed. He said, I'm going to give you one better than that. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you back. 
I said, well, that'd be kind if you did. I said, but here's tw here's the 20. And I did what Jesus said, right? And he said, yes, sir, you sure did. So he walked away and into the streets he went. So we'll see. So so it's interesting, <clears throat> Dad, you brought that up about, because you mentioned earlier that- I, I loved him. We I, had a lot of- And I gave him the $20. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, then- and it's then it's up to him what he does with it. So, because that's the the benefit and the giver. So you brought it up the earlier that there were people that had written some questions in about struggling post Christian life. We had we've had three or four that were together, and uh, all different perspectives. But I, I want to go there because you just you, you mentioned about what Jesus said, <clears throat> and one of the guys in particular, I think it was Jeremy, that has struggles with this idea that he just can't live it. Like he's just kind of, you get to a point where you think, well, I can't do this. And Jesus said what you quoted him saying, but you got to understand a couple of things about that. He, Jesus was speaking to an audience that was trying to be righteous by their own holiness. Yep. And so they said, you know, as long as we keep this rule, then we can live this way. And so he was convicted of that and said, look, you think you're just going to go by this small set of rules, but your hearts are bad because you're not really putting your faith in God. So we come along on this side of the cross and, you know, when you look at what he said to them, all that's true and still applies to us. The difference in us and them is when we have faith in Jesus, we're not depending on our own works and keeping law. Therefore, even if we do have the bad thought, even if we do get angry with our brother, we can appeal to the cross of Jesus. So I think it's important for people to understand that on once we understand the cross and where we put everything towards, yep. you go back and read those passages, you don't want to approach it just like the legalist was. You're putting yourself back in their position. He's, he's, a lot, a he's, lot of he's people thinking are. I'm going to do right so that I'll, I'll look better before God. What he doesn't understand is the reason we reach out to our neighbors, no matter who they are, good, bad, and the ugly, and all the ones in between, we're doing what we're doing because not we're not doing it to be saved. We're doing it because right. we are saved. We, we, we are saved, and we reach out to our brothers to point them to the one who can save them. So we don't get tangled up. We understand it's a journey. It's a walk. And Jesus is there 24-7, thankfully to be there when we stumble. But I think so. what they're missing, if you read, if you just take Galatians 2, 21, and think about it, if you claim that by your righteous acts that somehow you're going to justify yourself and you, you read this verse, what you're doing is in direct contrast to why Jesus died. Cause it says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So when you think about it, when you're setting yourself up as a rule keeper and justifying yourself, you're saying in that moment, Christ died for nothing. I don't know how he could be any stronger in that don't go down this road. You're looking at the cross and saying, yeah, but that, that was meaningless. I, that was for nothing. These guys that are doing the, the, the serious hang, struggle, hang on, they're Dad. young. Let's, let's take another break. So one thing the pandemic uh, has done is for a long time, it curtailed a lot of people eating out. 
because I don't know if y'all know this or not, because none of us eat out much, but most people eat at restaurants. They don't, they don't eat at home. They don't, they don't know how to cook or, or prefer not to. We always have. So, you know, we didn't really change that. The pandemic didn't change your habits, did that, Dad, in terms of eating? You still just kind of did what you always do? Not at that. I, I was already self-quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> you are ready. Which is good. So one of the things that people can do, uh, which I think is pretty interesting, is one of our sponsors is a is a company called Marley Spoon. And Martha Stewart, uh, who we all know well, she's a famous chef. Uh, she has designed recipes and they send you the food and the recipes to your house. And so you can make them within 30 minutes. So you get to cook and you get to learn how to cook, but you get to cook from things that she has done. And so she has 30 delicious different recipes that are every week. So you got a lot of different things to choose from. Ordering is easy and it removes the burden of grocery shopping and meal planning. So if you're tired of the same old, same old, go to MarleySpoon.com for a variety of chef-designed dinners from Martha Stewart. And our listeners save $100 over your first four orders. If you use the code Phil, so use the code Phil, MarleySpoon.com. Get some great meals from Martha Stewart and Marley Spoon. They make it possible. MarleySpoon.com today. Use the code Phil. They're, they're young, Al. They, they, they haven't grown in the faith enough to know what has been done for them. They, they don't really grasp the, the brevity of what they have. Once well, they right. reach that point, that's why we're tell, trying to tell them, Jeremy, you, Matt, the ones that rode, said, man, I can't do this. Yeah, you can. You, you'll stumble and you'll be on a zigzag course the rest of your life. But the further you go and the more you reach out and serve others instead of worrying about yourself, you just get up in the morning and you love God and you love your neighbor and just well, let that be known. I think the problem is it's like, you know, the, the third speech I gave on this trip, they had a title for me, which I only have one sermon, which is an introduction to Jesus, and it takes various forms depending on the Holy Spirit and where I'm at, I guess. But they said the title was All In. I'm All In. But I got, so I started looking. I was like, what does the Bible say about All In? And what I what I was surprised at was that where I started in my mind was that in 1 John 4 and verse 10, to go with what Phil's point is here, it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, which is the same, goes in with what I just read in Galatians 2. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So I made the point, and I went to Luke 15 to do it. The reason Jesus was eating with the tax collectors and sinners is because it's more important to view this as God pursuing us than we pursuing him. Because ultimately, Christ's death on a cross and his resurrection is what saves us. I mean, that's why we don't set aside that. It's not about, oh, how much I love God. He just said it's about how much he loves you. That That's going to be the proper mindset. Well, if you don't have that as the foundation, I think this is why you get off into that kind of stuff. That's why, and to, to, to Matt's point, 
He said, I read scripture daily, and the more I learn about Jesus and his grace, I find myself being reminded of what a bad person I used to be. Well, there's the Apostle Paul's uh, statements, Al. He said, I was the worst of the worst. But when he looks yep. at the mercy of God, it's because of mercy that we were saved and we stand before All right. God. It's back to that Romans 7. You remember what a wretched man I am. Yep. You know, Paul said in Romans, he said, but thanks be to God that I gained victory through Jesus Christ. So, that, I mean, of course, they're we're still wretched. in the first part, Al, where they're, they're struggling with their own weaknesses and they don't understand it's been paid for. It's 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 been re it's removed. You, you need to yep. realize that. Yeah. So, what I was right. going to say is so I started studying about this all in and uh, what I came up with was in Colossians 3 and verse 11. And there's similar passages like this. One of them is Galatians 3, 26 and 27. Another one is in 1 Corinthians 12, where I always bring that up to show that Christ, in Christ, as far as salvation is concerned, is the only place you can find true equality in the world. Because it says there's neither male nor female. There's neither correct. bond nor free. There's neither Jew nor Greek. I mean, he there's no... You know, in our interpretation, there's no high class, middle class, low class. It you're in Jesus's class. I mean, it there's no white collar, blue collar. I mean, he says that over and over. But at the end of that verse, in Colossians, has the same reference. At the end of verse eleven, he says, you know, there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. He get he gets down to the end and says, but Christ is all, and is in all. It's like he's the, which goes back to my point. It's more about Christ. Now you can say all in. He went all in for us because he came down, lived, became a human, lived a perfect life, and then died for us. I mean, to show how the extent of his love and grace and how much he wanted to pursue us. Well, whatever you do with your life, you're never going to match what he did for you. That's correct. I mean, there, there's just no comparison. Kim so, from Texas, Jace, uh, whose son is struggling after obeying the gospel, she said, I, I would love to hear you guys explore this aspect on the podcast. Sometimes we, 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 we sell finding our salvation as a way to make all of our problems go away. In other words, we live in the world. We have to live in it. It's not easy. But her last statement and she's the one that uh, Jeremy, you, and Matt, and whoever else among you, you need to listen to. We have to soldier on and remember why we chose to be born again, because she's made the gospel what, what Jesus did for her. Surrendering only to God, not the other forces that vie for us, which is a good point. She's saying you need to look at what, what God has done for you through Jesus and relax and say, I mean, it's up to them to say, I wonder if I ought to uh, get this filth, quit watching this filth on this little black box I have here and this immoral stuff I'm watching and all the the, the danger of sinful people getting naked, stripping this and that and the other looking at, I wonder if I ought to just curtail that. It's so they, 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 they keep watching it saying, well, maybe they're addicted to it, Al. So how do you get them off of it? 
Yep. Well, because you can't look at it from a commandment perspective, you have to look at it from a Jesus perspective. Let's take our last break. So I, I was going to read this verse, Jace. You made me think of this when you said something a minute ago. In uh, 2 Corinthians five twenty one, Paul said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So your your sin becomes on Christ. It's not it's not on you anymore. But but listen to the response in in chapter 6. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor, now is the day of salvation. Yep. So I love the idea that if you stay trapped in sin, because you want to own it, instead of giving it to the one who said he would become sin for you, then you take that grace in vain and you won't live like the day of salvation. So it's a release factor. It's a realization that, yeah, I can't do it. There's no way I can be perfect. But that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he became sin for me. And that motivates you in a completely different way than why am I so bad? Why do I keep messing up? Instead of putting it on him, it changes your perspective and allows the Holy Spirit to bear fruit through you because that's why you have the Holy Spirit. And it's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon, a long race, a long journey. So well, that's yep. where I was going, you know, in the in the lesson when I spoke Sunday morning, I didn't really get into this, but I went into the principles because I had studied it for hours. I mean, because I figured I'm in a hotel room by myself for hours. The best thing I can do is study my Bible. And so, uh, when I read that Colossians, I went backwards because the first part of chapter three, you know, he says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated in Christ, who is your life. And I kept going backwards and backwards in Colossians. And when you read, I love Colossians one fifteen and following because it describes why Jesus is superior, not only to all religious leaders, but to all other, you know, humans because it says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, they were all created by him, for him. He is before all things. I, I kept focusing on this all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. And then 21, it says, you were once alienated from God and enemies in your mind because of your behavior. But now, to your point, Al, Christ, by Christ's physical body through death, presented you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's what they're wrestling with right there. Well, right. They don't realize they're viewed by God as perfect. Well, then it says the mystery of godliness in verse 26 is that Christ is in you, 26 and 27. That's why to go back to the Galatians 3, 26, I no longer live. I mean, uh, Galatians 2, 20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So the point I'm getting to is chapter 2, verse 9. So then it says this, for in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. You got it. So it's like when you turn it around and make it not about you, and it's about Christ and who he is and what he did and the extent that he went and the amount that he pursued us, 
and then you're given that access with through his spirit indwelling you, you make it about him instead of you on a daily basis and you'll look up and you're now doing things that are grace motivated and have the right foundation for making better decisions. Yep. No, I think that's really good, Jase. And I think that's exactly what we do. We either go inward where we focus on ourselves and our shortfalls and our sins, or we compare to other people and, and we say, well, I'm not as good as that person, or I'm not as bad as that guy over there. And, you know, why did they get blessings and why do I not get blessings? We had a letter from a guy named John. It was a very honest struggle of how he's trying to come to faith. But I noticed throughout his whole letter, dad, if you read it, it, it he was constantly comparing himself to what he didn't have. Yep. and what others had. Yep. And so I think that's another way the evil one traps us because then it's not about what Christ is doing in me, no matter what, whether the I look evil good, whether I'm him, successful. Yeah, you're not worthy of being saved. That's what the evil one right. is whispering in their ear. I always go back to that John the Baptist statement. I mean, Jesus said there was no no human greater ever born than John the Baptist. You know, that Matthew 11, he said that. And John yep. the Baptist to me in a bumper sticker moment said he's got to become greater and I got to become less. And the bigger your life gets for Christ, the lesser you become. That's right. I mean, my, I share this in my speeches. My number one fear in life for years was to say anything in public. I just, the, uh, I mean, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. And so here I am. I just gave three speeches in front of thousands of people. Now they can't shut you up. Can't shut me up. But you know what I say right before I go up on stage? You know, I say this every time because I get nervous. I'm looking around, and, and I, I wanted to say this. That Sunday morning that we had together was as close to a heaven heavenly experience as I've had in a long time. They had a choir back there, but they weren't dressed like choir people. They were dressed like ordinary people. And they had the little worship team up, and they sang a couple songs. But these, and we're in there, you know, probably there's probably a thousand people in there. It was just voices being lifted up, praise to God. And I mean, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. It just sounded so awesome. I mean, I know we make a joyful noise to the Lord, some of us, and we sing. But when people who can sing, and they are good with the stringed instruments, like you yeah. said. They're just the sounds that were coming out of there. I thought, yep, this is this is what, what we're doing. This is heaven. So then it hits me right before I get up, and I'm like, I got to go speak in front of all these people. And I always <laughs> say the same thing. It's not about me. So I get up there with my Bible, yep. and I'm like, I'm going to introduce Jesus. I mean, these are the only thing positive I have is what I found in Jesus. Yep. That that's it. So it takes all the pressure. So a lot of your weaknesses are overcome through God's power. I think that's why he said that the power's in jars of clay. We're all like clay. Yep. Jeremy, are you and Matt listening? Do you need to pay attention there, guys? <laughs> You're gonna be so all right. Just I've told this story before. I, I tell this story before, but I, as we close out, I'll tell it again. So Mac Owen, our our good friend, uh, is a carpenter and uh, he built a uh, built me a pulpit when I first started preaching at WFR and it looks like a cross when you're looking at it from the audience. It, it, it is a cross, but it's also got a thing, you know, you can put your Bible and your notes on and on the back of that cross where no one can see, but me, he carved into that wood. 
it's not about you. And it was one of the best messages any friend in Christ could have ever done because, you know, you think about it, when you get up to present the word of God, if I look at it every time for, well, I can't really speak boldly about this because I fall short in wherever I'm at. If, if I, if I compared it back to me, instead of what the word of God said, I could never preach a sermon. I could never teach a lesson. I could never proclaim the word of God. I'm just a weak vessel like everybody else, a jar of clay. So when you realize it's not about you, but it's about proclaiming what Christ does in us, that totally changes everything. And I think for guys like us who proclaim all the time, we're just openly admitting we're sinners. We fall short of the, of the grace of God. But if we got trapped in our weaknesses, we could never proclaim anything. That's true. Well, we I would think, never be able well, to I tell people the I think the evil the one uses that to try to shut us up. Look, right before I got up, they, they baptized five teenagers from the night, I guess either from the school or the night before, which that fired me up. Yep. And uh, so I just, off the top of my head, I thought about Jesus when he was baptized and, and God declared that identity because you had brought up about how we compare ourselves to other people. You know, when Jesus was baptized, and we know he wasn't doing it because he had sins or anything, but he was he was giving up his his life for, for us and starting his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. But God declared those three things. This is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased, which is where we get our identity. So I looked at the young people and said, that's what God is declaring to you. But guess what happened next? He went from the water to the wilderness, which is then the evil one yep. came. And basically those three temptations were, you got to prove yourself. You know, why don't you exalt yourself? And uh, I can't, off the top of my head, I thought of this. Oh, and then he's like, indulge, indulge yourself. Yeah. I was like, well, that's, that's right. what the world offers. It's like, you got to prove yourself out here. You're better than others. Exalt yourself. You're the greatest thing ever because you're better than so-and-so or look better. And and just indulge yourself in whatever. But in all those, those issues, Jesus said no. And he surrendered himself, gave his life, and that became, you know, our anchor. So I wanted to share that because I, 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 I think that's this battle that we're talking about is really what we all go through. Yep. Constant. I like it. All right, we're out of time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.